Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Cherry Pickers Podcast, the show for all things hockey, featuring your hosts, Zoo and B. Rhodes. Well, we are back for episode number two, season number two of the Cherry Pickers Podcast. Happy to be back. My name is Zach, a.k.a. Zoo, and I am joined here, of course, with my host, B. Rhodes. What up, B. Rhodes? How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, my man. Excited for episode two. We had a pretty interesting opening week at the NHL. Lots of good games. It was nice to watch hockey again. And uh, yeah, having a good, good time so far. You're damn right, B-Roads. It is so good for the NHL to be back, and it's so, uh, it's fun. It's fun stuff. It's always a good time when the season starts and uh, getting that hockey fix back in. So, yeah, like B-Roads said, it was a uh, pretty entertaining first week in the NHL, and we're going to cover all the news and all that kind of fun stuff. So, why not just take it away, B-Roads, with the first thing that happened this week? Yeah, the first thing we got to talk about was uh, last night's game. We had the Battle of Alberta, the first one of the year between Calgary and Edmonton at Rogers Place. And yeah, Calgary ended up getting the better of the Oilers, unfortunately for me. But it was nice to to watch that game. And yeah, it was just tough. I mean, Edmonton really didn't show up for that game, to be honest. They let Jack Campbell out to dry, in my opinion. I don't think it was on him at all for that game, but... Definitely slow out of the gate, but they battled their way back. And Zach, what are your thoughts on that one? I got to say, it was a pretty good game. Obviously, you know, being a Flames fan, obviously, I'm going to be a little bit biased. But regardless of that, even just looking at the game from an outsider's view, it was a very good game. You could see the intensity was still there that kind of carried over from the second round of the playoffs last year. Um, Obviously, with Calgary having some unfinished business. And they came out uh, pretty strong off the rip, scoring uh, four goals and uh, chasing Jack Campbell out of the net quickly. But... uh, like B-Rose said, the uh, the Oilers did battle back quite a bit. They definitely tested the uh, strength of Calgary's decor, and Dan Vladar had a great game, but another goalie had a great game too, man. Stuart Skinner looked very solid in between the pipes for the Oilers with 31 saves on 31 shots. It was a, it was a very good game. We saw the, uh, the highs of Calgary, um, and we saw, you know, some good offensive push for the Oilers as well. You know, McDavid getting that power play goal. Obviously, he's already in regular season form. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was a fantastic game. I really liked uh, Stuart Skinner's game. I liked Dan Vladar's game. And I thought it was a great way to uh, not quite start the season, but kick off the season realistically for the Flames and the Oilers. So, What do you think about them only playing each other three times this year, though? I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, it is kind of unfortunate. You know, seeing how exciting and intense and how much traction that Battle of Alberta brought um, in those playoffs last year. You would think that, you know, the NHL would capitalize on that a little bit more, but uh, just how the schedule is kind of formatted, it's, you know, not looking to be that way. It does really suck, and, uh, you know, it sucks too that, you know, Oilers fans only get one Battle of Alberta at home. The Flames do get two, so it's kind of nice for us a little bit, but it really is kind of unfortunate that we're only going to get to see it two more times, and, uh, we won't get to see it after Christmas either because all three are played before uh, Christmas. So, man, it is uh, it is kind of unfortunate, but it is good hockey nevertheless. So we have to enjoy it while we can, you know. While we're on the topic here about uh, the Oilers and the Flames, we got to talk about an Oiler who hit a milestone recently, and that is Connor McDavid. He just hit 700 career points in only 488 games. He's the sixth fastest NHL 
player in history to do it. What are your thoughts on McDavid hitting 700? It's insane. Like, you know, he's just a completely different breed. And you look at the players that hit 700 points quicker than McDavid. And, you know, it was all in, you know, the 80s where goaltending wasn't really as important as it is nowadays. And the fact that he's able to do it at such a young age and uh, quite frankly, like this isn't, you know, not a diss to the Oilers. But uh, the fact that he's done it with the team around him, you know, the team hasn't obviously been as successful as, you know, McDavid would like it to be but the fact that he's able to you know put the team on his back and put those points up on the board and yeah he's just a special player and there's you know you could talk all day about how good McDavid is everyone knows how good he is and you know he's just proving it out there so yeah incredible uh incredible feat and congrats to him for 700 points this quickly in his career too yeah I mean he hasn't even turned 26 years old yet and he's already at 700 career points which is pretty crazy to think about and he's only going to be entering his prime I don't think he's reached his peak yet so going to be interesting to see what he does in the next couple seasons for sure all right we got to talk about another topic and that is uh the Colorado Avalanche I thought this was pretty interesting for their home opener against the Chicago Blackhawks they actually invited their former teammate Jack Johnson who's playing for the Chicago Blackhawks now to join them in their celebration for their banner raising I thought it was super cool gesture on their part to bring him in and uh yeah it was pretty cool what do you think about that yeah it was it was pretty funny actually seeing the uh reactions of the players when he uh skated over to take the photo with the team and you know when it comes to a Stanley Cup caliber team and a Stanley Cup champion team the chemistry and the locker room and you know just how much they're all friends with each other it it carries over you know it doesn't matter what team that those players go to they're you know gonna have those lifelong memories and uh just seeing you know the faces of the players light up when Jack Johnson joined them was it was really a heartwarming moment honestly and I thought it was a great gesture by the Colorado Avalanche and yeah it was a really cool thing to see um another thing like that where uh the Avalanche you know played back-to-back nights they played Chicago in their home opener and then they were on the road to play Calgary for Calgary's home opener and uh you know, there's some videos circulating around where uh, McKinnon brought Nazem Kadri his Stanley Cup ring and, you know, seeing the reaction of Kadri getting that ring and still being able to share it with not his current teammates anymore, but the people that he made those memories with was really cool. So I thought that was a very cool, uh, very nice gesture by the Colorado Avalanche bringing Jack Johnson out. Yeah, that was uh, definitely a super special moment to see. And uh, yeah, like you said, uh, Nate Dogg bringing the the Stanley Cup ring over to Kadri. And I saw that video too. Like Kadri looked super, like he was overwhelmed with Mm -hmm. with joy and excitement seeing a Stanley Cup ring. Because in my opinion, like the NHL is like one of the hardest like trophies to win in the game. It's just you have to go through four grueling rounds in the playoffs. You have to get through 82 regular season games just to get there. And any team can win and just the grind like there's players like great players in the game who never end up winning a stanley cup so for them it's just it's a super special moment and uh it's awesome to see uh that even now that they're ex-teammates still that those friendships are holding strong and that um just get that cup ring for kadri is a, a really cool moment for sure yeah, not only even just to mention, you know, the fact about how grueling the schedule is and how hard the playoffs is as well, but even just making it to the NHL, let alone, you know, it's such a small probability for players to make the NHL. Even though there is, you know, close to a thousand players in the NHL every year, the amount, like the sheer amount of hockey players that even just try to make it is, uh, 
just a crazy, crazy feat to even make it to the NHL, let alone win a Stanley Cup. So for Nazem Kadri, you know, as the uh, first Lebanese player to win the Stanley Cup too, you know, that's such a huge thing for him and huge for his family and friends. And, you know, it's just, it was such a cool thing as well. So yeah, that was a really cool thing to see as well. So we had some contract extensions happen in the NHL. We're going to start off with the Philadelphia Flyers. They just signed Travis Sanheim to an eight-year, $50 million contract extension with an AAV of $6.25 million. Uh, good signing for the Philadelphia Flyers as he's one of their top defensemen. Zach, what are your thoughts on Travis Sanheim's new deal? I think that's a very fitting deal for Travis Sanheim. Um you know, obviously, as a Flames fan, you know, I see a lot of comparisons on the Sandheim deal to the Mackenzie Weger deal, and they're making the same AAV, and obviously, in this situation, you know, Weger is a better defenseman than Sandheim, but you also got to remember, too, that Weger is, uh, that, that deal that they got for Weger was fantastic, and I think the deal for Sandheim is right on the nose. Like Brody said, you know, Sandheim is, like, one of their best defensemen there in Philly, and, uh, He's a young guy too, so getting him locked up for those eight years is going to be crucial for Philly as they're trying to get back into the playoff hunt. So I really like Travis Sanheim's game. I've always kind of liked him since he's made it to the NHL, and I think this is a fantastic signing for the Flyers. Yeah, I agree. Like like you said, Philly's trying to get back into that playoff push. I mean, the last couple of years really haven't gone their way, and there is some talent on their roster. They do have a few good pieces in Carter Hart, Travis Sanheim, Ivan Provorov, Travis Konechny, etc., but they, they just need to build more around that, and to lock up one of their pieces I think is going to be very good for them. I think injuries, too, has played a big factor in the Philadelphia Flyers. You know, Sean Couturier, one of their best players, if not their best player, has been injured for quite a while. I think, you know, just the eight balls kind of like they've been behind the eight ball a little bit. And, uh, you know, with the Sandheim deal, it shows that they're not ready to like they're, they're ready to commit to pushing for a playoff position. They're not going to, you know, let Lady Luck hold them down, you know. So, yeah, I think this is a great signing for Philly. And speaking of signings, we got another one from the Buffalo Sabres, and I was quite surprised when I heard about this one. They extended Samuelson to a seven-year, $30 million deal, and it took me by surprise. What do you think about that one? What the heck? <laughs> That's all I got to say, man. What the heck? I, this is, you know, I don't want to be insulting, but... I honestly, I looked up this guy, I tried to look up highlights of him, um, I couldn't find anything, I've, I don't, I've never heard of the Samuelson guy ever, and due to the fact that they signed him for a 7 year deal with an AAV of over 4 million dollars per season, obviously, you know, the Buffalo Sabres have to see something in this guy, because, you know, they got such a young team. And this is going to be an interesting signing in a couple of years here when, you know, their guys like uh, Owen Power needs a contract. Dylan Cousins needs a contract. You know, they got some young guys that are going to need that salary cap space. And with a signing of a guy that's only played, you know, 50 some NHL games and you're signing him at an AAV of over four million, it's really interesting. But hey, the Sabres obviously have to see something in this guy if they're willing to give him that kind of contract. So it should be interesting. I think uh, this year, I think I'm going to pay attention to him a little bit more to see, you know, if I can figure out what the Sabres see him in him as well. But uh, yeah, quite the signing by the Buffalo Sabres for sure. Maybe Peter Shirelli took over the chair for a day and signed him to a deal because <laughs> there's there's nothing else that I can think of of why he would give him a seven-year, $30 million deal that early out of the gate. But 
Anyway, moving on. We're going to talk about a player who's struggled pretty early out of the gate, and it's been quite surprising because he's on a pretty solid team, and that is Marc-Andre Fleury. He has been having some trouble. His last game, there was a, it was a 7-6 game between L.A. and Minnesota. I think he let in four goals on 14 shots and then got pulled, and the game before that, he didn't play very well either. What's going on with Flower and Minnie? Yeah, so you were right. Four goals on 14 shots against LA, and in the first game, I believe it was 32 saves on 39 shots. He let in seven goals against the Rangers. The reason why I know these numbers, and I hate to admit it, I am a Marc Andre Fleury uh, fantasy holder. <laughs> and he really bit my butt this week in fantasy, so I'm a little upset about it. But yeah, it's it's really interesting. The, uh, the Minnesota Wild. And back-to-back -back games have let in seven goals per game. And that's not something we're accustomed to, especially with last year's Minnesota Wild team that, you know, made the playoffs. And we're trying to look for a deep run, but didn't quite get there as they ran into a pretty good St. Louis team. And it's interesting to see, you know, um, it could just be, you know, the young roster kind of getting to them. You know, they don't have a whole lot of experience on that team aside from guys like Dumba, uh, Marcus Foligno, Jared Spurgeon, but um, they do have a lot of young guys on there and uh, obviously something needs to be shook up. We might be seeing, you know, the decline in Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, he is getting to that age, um, even though he is only a couple years uh, off of that uh, Vesna trophy, but yeah, something is going on in Minnesota. We're going to have to keep tabs on it because there needs to be either some uh, scheme changes or Flurry's got to get his stuff together. But yeah, definitely not the start that the Minnesota Wild were looking to have. And we're going to have to see if they can bounce back from that. Another player who's been struggling out of the gate is Canucks forward JT Miller. He's been frustrated with his performance. He, f he said he feels like he's irrelevant after his start because he's been on the ice for all eight goals against the Canucks. He did get that one goal against the Oilers, but it seems like JT Miller's frustrated and he's been struggling. And what are you thinking about JT Miller? You know, that's got to be tough for Canucks fans too, especially after, you know, the drama behind JT Miller and was he going to get traded at the deadline and he never did get traded. And then, okay, is, you know, he going to go somewhere else with a new contract and, you know, the Canucks were able to lock him up long term and, uh, it just kind of sucks if you're a Canucks fan. You know, you get this guy locked up long-term. You think he's one of the best players on your team, and then every single time he's out on the ice, well, not every time he's getting out on the ice, but every time they get scored on, he's on the ice, you know. So it's really tough um, for the Canucks. It's tough for JT Miller, too. You know, the Canucks had such a uh, bounce back after uh, getting Bruce Boudreaux last year halfway through the uh, season, and uh, – Obviously, things aren't clicking like they did in the last half of last year. And, uh, yeah, it just sucks for JT Miller. Sucks for Canucks fans. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can bounce back too because they're definitely on the outside looking in. And if they're playing like this, if they continue playing like this, then that uh, window's closing for them. So. I feel like Vancouver's the team that can bounce back, though. I mean, they got a really good starting goaltender in Thatcher Demko. They've got a good defenseman. They've got a pretty decent offense as well. So I feel like they are going to bounce back, but it, it's definitely tough to see them get off the gates like this, especially, like you said, with how well they played under Bruce Brujo when he took over because they very nearly got in the playoffs. They only missed by like three or four points. They were right in the hunt, so hopefully they can bounce back, and we'll see how they do from here. Yeah, absolutely. Like the Canucks, honestly, looking at their forward depth chart, they have a really solid uh, forward core. 
before. Their defense is a little bit lacking, but, you know, they try and bring that in with the uh, experience of Oliver ekman Larson, Tyler Myers, Luke Shen, stuff like that. And like you said, they have a fantastic start in Thatcher Demko. He's honestly one of the most underrated goalies in the league. So you are right. I do believe that the Canucks are one of those teams that can bounce back and, uh, yeah, it's just going to take a little bit of shaking up, I think, and, uh, you know, just uh, getting in that mindset. You know, the start of the season is so interesting because you really see who's ready for the season to start and who's still in off-season mode. And, uh, you know, it just it's kind of weird seeing, you know, um, a guy like JT Miller struggling defensively, especially when his two-way game is, you know, very good. So we'll have to keep tabs on that as well and see how the Canucks bounce back from these uh, first two losses this year. We're going to talk about the injury front in the NHL now, and there's a big one from the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that is Matt Murray. This guy has been through everything in terms of injuries, especially with Ottawa. He hardly really played for them. He was injured so much, but he is out for four weeks with an adductor injury. I believe that's some type of groin injury. He was having discomfort with it in practice, and yeah, literally plays one game and he's out for four weeks. Just what are your thoughts on Matt Murray? Yeah, it really does suck, especially for Matt Murray and for Leafs fans as well. You know, Matt Murray has had such an interesting career, you know, when he was younger and playing on the Penguins and winning all those Stanley Cups. And, you know, he looks like the goalie of the future, top five goalie in the league. And then, you know, he started to decline and then caught the injury bug and, uh, yeah, it actually, you know, it looked really promising for the Leafs and Matt Murray in preseason. He looked very sharp, and he was shutting the door for them very well. And then in that first game against the Canadians, it seemed like everything that went up high, just he could not stop it. And now he comes down with this injury, and uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, the Leafs don't have a very good history with goaltending, and uh, this season's not starting off strong. You know, Samsonov's played a couple games now for the Leafs, and uh, he's let in some some pretty weak goals so hopefully he can pick it up for them and then I believe they're calling up Shalgren to replace Murray for those four weeks and uh Shalgren actually didn't play too bad last year for the Leafs so we'll see if uh you know he's got this opportunity to shine so let's see if he can capitalize on it and uh for Leafs fans sake and for Matt Murray's sake let's hope Matt Murray comes back uh better than ever you know yeah, I was questioning the Leafs goaltending when they signed Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov because I just didn't think it was good enough, but especially in their division because of the teams that they have to get through in the playoffs, like Tampa, Boston, Florida, etc. So hopefully Matt Murray, when he comes back, he bounces back, he plays strong, and Toronto is a good year because personally I want to see them get over that hump in the playoffs especially for Matthew's sake and just the team like they've been so close so many times to getting out of that first round and they have that history of being so long without getting out of the first round so hopefully he comes back and plays really strong once he returns speaking of another player that's been out and another big piece of their team as well and that is Patrick Line. he is out three to four weeks with an elbow sprain again he played the season opener just like Murray and is out for a little while and that's a big loss for Columbus and what are your thoughts on Patrick Line being out yeah it's crazy too you know Patrick Line scored a goal in the uh the, the home opener for the Blue Jackets and then doesn't even complete the game and goes down with an injury and uh, Patrick Laine's had a little bit of injury uh, history and uh, it's scary for the Blue Jackets you know he's definitely I would say honestly their best player other than Wierenski and uh, he's the biggest contributor to their offense and uh, you know having you know bringing in Johnny Goudreau 
specifically to play him alongside Patrick Line, then to have Patrick Line go down for a month. It's really tough on the Blue Jackets, not only on the ice, but also probably in the locker room as well as you lose one of your key guys that gets your offense going. And uh, it's kind of unfortunate for Columbus as well as we, you know, like Columbus is one of those teams on the outside looking in and they might not be ready to compete for a playoff spot this year, but they're definitely getting close. And if they keep running into those injury problems, like with Patrick Line, it's uh, it's super unfortunate. And uh, yeah, you just wish for all the best for Patrick Line to come back healthier and hopefully I gotta have a really strong season and you know, especially having finally a fantastic playmaker to put alongside his scoring ability. So we'll have to keep tabs on Columbus, see how Patrick Line's recovery comes and hopefully he can bounce back and get back to his scoring ways. Yeah, I, I think Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Line could be an absolutely lethal combo. I mean, Johnny Gaudreau's got that excellent playmaking ability where he reads the ice well, and Line has got an unbelievable shot. So I think that could be a very lethal combo. And with Line out, that's definitely a big loss to the Blue Jackets. All right, that's pretty much it for this week's news. I do want to talk about one last thing to end off the, the episode, and that is the NHL has released their top 10 player list. And do you want me to go over them, or do you want me to just? Yeah, do you got so the let's, notes, let's let's start uh, let's start at ten, and we'll talk about each individual player and see if we agree with the ranking or not. Okay, uh, so do you want me to list them off from ten to one, and then just talk one, about yeah. from there? All well, right. Well, we'll we'll start at ten. We'll talk about number ten, and then we'll go to nine. Talk about nine, etc. All right. So at ten, we have got Sasha Barkov of the Florida Panthers. Sasha Barkov, my favorite player, obviously. Um, love his game. I love that uh, he's not criminally underrated anymore. Um, he reminds me of, you know, a uh, a bigger Pavel Datsuk. He's got that long reach, that two-way game, and he's got that uh, creativity. If you've ever seen Sasha Barkov in the uh, shootouts, man, he is just a thrill to watch. So I love that he's actually cracking these top ten lists now. What do you think of uh, Sasha Barkov, Brody? I think he's a fantastic player, like you said. I mean, his two-way game is phenomenal. He's finally getting the love that he deserves because playing in that Florida market, he never really got the attention. Uh, he's very creative, like you're saying. He's really good in the shootout. He's got a long reach. He's strong on the puck, protects the puck well. I think he's a fantastic player. So at number nine, we have got Victor Hedman of the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think Victor Hedman's too low on this list um i i think victor hedman you know he's a multiple stanley cup winner has he won a norris i think he has won a norris i feel like pretty he's sure. won a norris i feel yeah. like he should have won a norris if he hasn't but uh he's honestly on the blue line he is one of those guys that you build your team around a hundred percent he is you know he's got a big frame he's a big defenseman He's got those offensive skills. He's so smart in both the offensive and defensive zone. Um, you know, with the benefits of being big, he's got that long reach, that physicality. He's just one of the most ideal two-way defensemen. Uh, I would honestly say, you know, he's obviously the second best defenseman in the NHL. But I think, honestly, in my opinion, I think he should be around like the seven or six mark for best players in the NHL. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Victor Hedman has had a fantastic career, multiple Stanley Cups. Pretty sure he's won in Norris. He's very good in his own end. He's physical. He reads the ice very well. He defends really good. 
Um, he's not like the best offensive defenseman, but he's going to be really good shutdown guy. He's going to log up those big minutes for a, a deep playoff run type caliber team that the Tampa Bay Lightning are. And yeah, I think he's a very, very good defenseman. Like you said, I would put him at the second best defenseman in the NHL. Now we're going to talk about number eight. And in my opinion, I think this is a very controversial one at mm-hmm. number eight because I, I want to see more of him before I would put him here. But that is Igor Shesterkin of the New York Rangers. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, last year, obviously, it was no surprise that Shesterkin was the best goalie in the NHL. That's why he won the Vesna Trophy. Um, however, I still do think that Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the NHL. Um, we've only seen such a small sample size. Like Brody said, I'd love to see more of Shesterkin, and we're going to see more of him this year. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, Shesterkin, he plays so confidently. Um, he's not the biggest goalie in the NHL, but he's very athletic. He's uh, His vision is fantastic. He's got great rebound control. And uh, I think he obviously is a fantastic goalie. He's definitely the second best in the league. Um, spoiler alert, because... This list has him as the best goalie in the league. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think he's there quite yet. Can he get there in the future? Absolutely. I think he could be a better goalie than Vasilevsky, but I don't think he's there yet. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he cracks the top 10. I think he's probably 11. I would honestly put Vasilevsky in his spot instead. Yeah, I agree because Andre Vasilevsky has that pedigree. He's won Stanley Cups. He's won a Conn Smythe. Like he's been there, done that over a, a long period of time. And Igor Shesterkin, like he had a fantastic season, but I I just need to see more. I need to mm-hmm. see it over like two or three seasons at least before I'd put him at number eight. But nonetheless, NHL.com thinks he's <laughs> at eight, so we're. We're going to move on. Yeah, we're rolling with it. (laughs) So at number seven, we've got a player who's been around for a long time. He's had a fantastic career. He's had injury issues over his career, but I still think he's an elite player in this league, and that is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, I think uh, Crosby at seven is not bad. I think personally I would have him at six. Crosby's uh, started out this season so hot. Like, he's got six points in two games already this year. And like Brody said, you know, he's been so injury-plagued. He's had, you know, not the best of luck when it comes to injuries, but, you know, he has the resume already. He's got the, you know, the Olympic gold. He's got the Stanley Cups, the Conn Smythe. You know, he's got got it all. And Crosby's obviously going to make the Hockey Hall of Fame. But I think what the problem is is that people don't think Crosby is as good because he's getting older, and that is absolutely not the case. You look at Crosby and you look at Ovechkin, and they just age like fine wine, man. Like, they are still so good even though they're getting close to the end of their career. And I think uh, I think Crosby is a little bit underrated still due to the fact that players or people think that because he's older, he's not as good, and I think that's completely wrong. I think he is still near the top of his game and near the top of the NHL. I agree. Like Sidney Crosby is still an elite player in this league. He's got a fantastic two-way game. He's elite at face-offs. He's just a dominant force, and he knows how to win when it matters. So to me, I think Sidney Crosby, I agree. I would have him at number six personally. And like you said, he's aged like fine wine. He still continues to be a, a fantastic player in this league. And I still think he's got a few years left in him to still be an effective player in this league. So at number six, 
We've got a Russian winger, and that is Nikita Kucherov of the Tampa Bay Lightning. See, when it comes to Kucherov, I'm not sold on him either. I don't think Kucherov is better than Sidney Crosby. I don't even think Kucherov personally is better than Hedman. I think Kucherov, you know, fantastic offensive player. He Anytime he touches the puck, like magic's going to happen, you know. But his defensive game is definitely lacking compared to, you know, uh, other players of his caliber. And, you know, if I were to take, you know, a guy like Kucherov at six and Crosby at seven, I think I'd flip him, honestly. Um, the problem with Kucherov, you know, is like Crosby, he's ha caught that injury bug and he's missed a lot of hockey in his career, you know, and don't get me wrong. I don't think that Kucherov's a bad player, but I don't think he should be rated as high as he is by most standards. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, to me, Nikita Kucherov, I think for this, this rating, I think they focus too much on simply offensive production mm -hmm. and not all areas of the ice. Like Nikita Kucherov is a fantastic offensive producer. He won the Art Ross in the 2018-19 season. I believe he put up 128 points. But I look at all areas of the game and to me I would I don't see how he's better than Sidney Crosby in all facets or even like you said Victor Hedman because I just I don't think they take into account all areas of the game so for me I would I wouldn't have Kucherov at six either yeah so at number five and I think this is fair to have him here and it's one of my boys on my favorite team and that is Leon Dreisaitl the Edmonton Oilers yeah, I think five is fitting for Dreisaitl. You know, he's a fantastic player, obviously. He he covers all aspects of the game. He's, you know, reliable in his defensive zone. He wins a lot of face-offs. Um, and his offensive game speaks for itself. You know, he's got a great release. He's a great passer, fantastic passer. I'd say top three, top five passers in the NHL. Um, yeah, I think five is probably fitting for Dreisaitl. You know, he's a very good player. Um it's really close, though. I think that uh, both Dreisaitl and McKinnon are very close. I think, you know, if you were to compare the two, I don't think you could put a 1-2 on them. I think it's more a 1-A, 1-B kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I'd say 5 is probably fitting for Dreisaitl. I'm kind of glad they didn't put him at, you know, 2 or 3. So, yeah, I like 5 for Dreisaitl. Now we got another one at number four, and I think this is fair because we just talked about this guy, and that is a Stanley Cup champion from Coal Harbor, Nova Scotia, Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, I think that's fitting as well. Like I said, it's kind of a 1A, 1B with uh, Dreisaitl and McKinnon. I think the only advantage that McKinnon has over Dreisaitl is his speed. Um, both Dreisaitl and McKinnon are very good in all aspects of their game. They both have a great shot. They're both playmakers. They both have the hands. Um, they both play similar roles. I think they're both very good players. They play the right uh, role for their teams. But I think, like I said, I think McKinnon just takes the edge a little bit with just how much energy McKinnon has. You know, when he comes in on the rush with the puck, he's just electric. And I think that's just a little bit more overwhelming than Dreisaitl. So I agree with it. I think McKinnon should be a four and Dreisaitl at five as well. Speaking of electric, we got another guy at number three. And personally, I think he should be higher on this list. I would have him at at least number two 
And honestly, I think he's a 1B in this league at this point, and that is Kale McCarr. Yeah, I'm glad you said that he should be higher because if you didn't say it, I was going to say it. I do think Kale McCarr should be a 1B. Honestly, last year with how he played, I honestly could have put him at 1A in the NHL last year. Um, Kale McCarr, you know, we've talked about him so much on the show already. He's the most dynamic, you know, defenseman we've seen since, you know, Bobby Orr. Um, the offensive creativity, um, his skating ability, his edges, um, his hockey IQ, um, and not a, like not only that, you know, you look you look at a player like that, and you're like, oh well, there's got to be an area that he's lacking in. But you look in the defensive zone, and even in those playoffs last year, you know, McCarr's taking the ice against McDavid, and he's handling him like no one's business you know we've never seen a player you know a defenseman in the NHL handle a guy like McDavid before and McCarr just and every single aspect of his game is one of the like the best in his position he's the best defenseman in the league hands down and yeah I agree I think you could argue for a 1A 1B in that situation at number two we've got a player that I think has gotten unnecessary hate because people just think, oh, because he plays for the Leafs, like he's getting that attention that he should be number two. But people don't realize like how dynamic of a player he actually is. And he's really good defensively as well. And that is Austin Matthews. Yeah, I think Matthews, you know, last season, you know, scored a lot of goals. Um, but not only that, he definitely picked up his defensive zone game. Um, Austin Matthews, you know, when you get a guy that scores 60 goals, you got to just assume that he doesn't play defense. But with his role on the Leafs, you know, being such a leader on the ice, um, he's had to pick up his game in the defensive zone. And it showed last year and it's going to show this year. Um, I do think, and I know you agree with me, Brody, um, Matthews should be three. There's there's no way that Austin Matthews is better than Kale McCarr. Not, not a chance. Um, but that shouldn't discredit how good Matthews is. You know, he's got a release like no other. We haven't seen a release since Ovechkin. Um, he's got very high offensive zone IQ and awareness. And, yeah, like we said, he's been improving his defensive game. And he's just electric. Anytime he's on the ice, anytime he gets the puck, you know, you're on the edge of your seat waiting to see what's going to happen. And, uh, yeah, Austin Matthews at 2 um, I don't agree with, I think he should be three, but he does deserve the recognition that he gets. And at number one from the Edmonton Oilers, we have got Cody Cece. Jujar Kyra, that was a good one too. <laughs> yeah, Connor McDavid, it's, you know, it's obvious. Connor McDavid is the best player in this league. He might go down as the best player to ever play the game. If you've never seen Connor McDavid play a hot game of hockey, um, go watch right now because it's the best thing that will ever happen to you in your life, and that is coming from a Flames fan. Connor McDavid, best player in the league, hands down, no questions asked. Yeah, this guy is actually like ridiculous because they're like last season, well, a couple of seasons ago now, the 2020. 2021 season they had an all canadian division and keep in mind this was only a 56 game season he put up 105 points in a 56 game season like i don't care if you're playing the same team nine ten times a year like those are numbers that you would never see like 33 goals 72 assists this guy he's just so dynamic and so dominant he's just head and shoulders above everyone else in this league so it's no surprise to me that he's number one 
Like, when's the last time we've seen a player in the NHL put up almost two points a game on average? Like, we haven't seen that in, like, 40 years, man. Like, since Wayne Gretzky and Lemieux played. Like, it's crazy how much he can take over a game. You give or yeah, you give Austin Matthews the puck. <laughs> you give Connor McDavid the puck. It doesn't matter where he is on the ice. That puck is going towards the net, and it's just, uh, it's it's crazy. As a uh, fan of hockey, you have to just sit there and admire his game. And as a fan of the Flames, you almost crap your pants when he has the puck. <laughs> I do it as an Oilers fan. Like as soon as, <laughs> as soon as he's coming down the ice, like you just know something's gonna happen, and you're just like on your toes, like ready to see something crazy happen. He's just got that ability, and he's just a phenomenal player. There's a reason why year after year, you know, I must keep saying Austin Matthews. I don't know why we're, we're talking about Connor McDavid here. Almost year after year, Connor McDavid has the play of the year every single year, man. It, and it, it's it's a different play every single time. You know, you look back, you remember the goal last year that he scored against the Rangers when he took on the entire team on the ice on a one-on-five and absolutely undresses them or you go back to the play where you know he's coming in on a two-on-one against the Leafs and Morgan Riley one of the best defensemen in the NHL and just puts him in an absolute blender it's crazy how it's crazy how Connor McDavid can make NHL caliber players look like he's playing against peewee players it's unreal so I watched a game last year where they were playing Tampa at home, and he literally just walked around Victor Hedman, of all people. Like, nothing. It was like he was a pylon. It was just crazy. The guy who we said is the second-best defenseman in the NHL made him look like he's a like borderline AHL player. It's unreal. He is definitely a phenomenal player, but... I'm, like, do you got anything else you want to talk about? Because I don't got any yeah, other I topics. Yeah, I think, left. you know... <laughs> It's it's hard on the first week because, you know, there's not a heck of a lot. You know, the teams have only played about two games each. So there's not a lot of news yet, but we'll save all of that for next week. I'm sure there will be a lot more. I'm sure we'll have some more Leafs woes, you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah, I think that about covers the news um, for this week, B-Rose. Thanks for anchoring this episode. Um, as always, we appreciate every single one of you um, for listening. Our podcast is available on YouTube, on Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. It's available everywhere, man. Um, yeah, we're aiming for one episode a week, so make sure you stay tuned. Um, also, check out our Twitter where we post any notifications about future episodes. It's at TCP underscore show. Also, check me out on Twitter at your boy Zoo. That's Zoo, Z-U-U. And also, check out B Roads on Twitter, too. You know what I'm saying? Brody Mac 97 Anything else you want to add before we go? Yeah, I mean, I got to get the followers up on Twitter. I only got 20, man. Like, get give me some love. Some followers. Give B Rhodes some love. We thank you all for listening to the Cherry Pickers podcast. This has been season two, episode two of the show. Thank you all for listening. Take care. <laughs>